Welcome to Village Bible Church. We'll start with a question, easy question. What are some things you enjoy? Coffee. Coffee. Amen. I'm not sure who said it, but I know some in my family would agree with you. What else? Hiking, okay. Hiking is good for a short time. (laughs) No, hiking is often. What? Video games? Reading. I thought I, I, I thought I heard breathing. I'm like, well, that's, that's a good one too. <laughs> um, eating? Cooking? Sleeping in? Fishing? Your work. Okay. So a lot of things that we enjoy in life. Is there any problem with enjoying things in life? No. In fact, God gave us good gifts. He gave us things to enjoy because He loves His children. We know from James chapter 1 that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And so God designed creation with these good gifts. I'm a little upset no one said Dr. Pepper um, or the Dodgers. Um, (laughs) I, I know I meant... yeah. I know I'm in enemy territory for the most part on, on the Dodgers, but um, okay. Yeah, we'll get past that. You know, let it go. Um, so what, what is the problem? Today we're talking about the idol of comfort or that we worship the God of comfort sometimes. What then is the problem if God meant these good gifts for our enjoyment? If he meant to, to, that we would live life to the full through him? And the problem is priority. The problem is the place that we put things. See, there isn't a problem with these things if they're in the right priority. If we are serving God first, if we are pursuing his glory, if we love the Lord our God with all our our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then he just puts these gifts on us and it's beautiful. But the problem is when the good gifts become the priority, the satisfaction from them, the happiness from them, when those become more important than God, when those become a higher elevation, or when they even capture our heart more than Jesus does, we now are dealing with idolatry. You know, and, and, and we know this. I think comfort's going to hit all of us. <clears throat> we often prefer easy things than hard things. We often prefer some of those things you enjoy rather than doing our responsibilities. I'd rather have ice cream than veggies. Just straight up, I'll admit to it. That's not a surprise to anyone, I know. Um, We'd rather stay in bed or go golfing or fishing than go to work oftentimes. We'd rather watch football in the fall than get up and go to church sometimes. We'd rather work around the house than talk to our neighbor about Jesus. Maybe I'd rather sit with people I know at the next potluck rather than reach out to someone I don't know. And so this (laughs) this idol... Can, can come in such subtle ways of these are things I enjoy, these are things God has given, but when they elevate above a heart for Jesus and doing things for Jesus, then is a problem. See, the idol of comfort gives in to those feelings of what we want, what we desire, what we think we deserve, and it puts those desires over doing what is best and right and sometimes hard. And so we can easily elevate our comfort over obedience, over the gospel. We know, and at that point, we know something is holding a higher priority in my heart than Jesus. Which, by the way, the Dodger Atlanta game is starting. So I'm just going to put it here so I can watch it during. um, 
a good gift. I know you'd argue that. But the wrong place, the wrong priority. As you know, we've, we, we're in our sixth week of idols or fifth week, something like that. And an idol is anything that takes the place of God as ultimate in our life or as a priority of life. Specifically, we talked about in our worship, in our loves, and in our trust or in our lives. And, and we can, we can sort of drill down on every one of the idols. They all hit either what we worship, what we love, the desires of our heart, or what we trust. And today's will hit a couple of those. And so we, we want to take this categorization of these deep idols, we're looking at four of them, and two of them, power and control, deal with dominion perverted, that God said you'll have dominion over the earth, but Satan tries to divert it. And then two of them deal with our joy and satisfaction that should be in Jesus perverted to trying to find it in self or in the world around us. And that's approval and comfort. And last week we talked about approval. Today we're going to talk about um, comfort. Because comfort is trying to find joy and satisfaction, trying to find significance in the things that I have, the stuff that I have, the experiences that I can, that I can have, rather than finding satisfaction in Jesus. So if we look in, and in your notes, you see the deep idol of comfort, just trying to define this. And, and this definition has two aspects, something that we, we desire and go toward and something that we avoid. And actually, both uh, approval, approval and comfort fall into that category of some things that we're trying to avoid. But the, the deep idol of comfort is a longing for pleasure in short. It's a longing for comfort, pleasure, and satisfaction, usually from experiences, things, or people, or stuff. A longing for comfort, pleasure, and satisfaction, and an over-desire for avoidance of anything painful, stressful, or hard. And so we, we're going to break that down a little bit this morning and look at some biblical examples. The key item is comfort, a peace, a satisfaction. And this idol deals both on the physical level, what we experience physically, and on the emotional level, as we'll see. And I believe we're seeing that in, as the, the predominant idol in culture today is this idea of I deserve comfort. I deserve peace. I deserve what I want. And so you see two aspects to that, a longing for, a a, a directional um, motivation for us, for comfort, for pleasure, for satisfaction. I want to enjoy life. I want to, to have those things that make me happy. Because as we've quoted the song before, if it makes you happy, it must be okay. But the problem is that's idolatry. Because nothing in this world can permanently make us happy. Everything in this world eventually falls apart and under-delivers what we were hoping for. And so we seek these things. We seek comfort, pleasure, and satisfaction. But the other side of this is, is equally true. When, when comfort is our idol, we avoid certain things. We don't want anything painful. We don't want anything stressful. We don't want anything hard. Now, we're going to talk about that again next week because sometimes then that dovetails into control where we keep stressful things away and we keep hard things away and we keep painful things away through controlling our environment. But today we have this this idea that comfort is everything. And so sometimes the idol of comfort will, will seek freedom and they'll seek freedom from responsibilities. They'll seek freedom from expectations and anything that make us feel unpleasant. Someone with the idol of comfort doesn't like someone telling them what to do. 
and doesn't like someone telling them when they're wrong or what they should do because we're avoiding those things. We're avoiding those responsibilities. And then as, uh, on the draw side of it, the, the, what we're, we're drawn to, the, the idol of comfort often seeks immediate gratification, often through addictive behaviors, through numbing, through escaping. That's part of getting rid of the pain. But hey, I, I want it now. And, and, and we can see that all over the place. You can see that with how, how easily porn can be found. No longer go to the store, no longer get a magazine, just turn on the computer, turn on your phone. And it's immediate gratification dealing with the idol of comfort, in that case, a pursuit of pleasure. And, and so we see all of these things that I think this morning we'll see infiltrate every part of our culture and every part of our lives. And so often the deep idol of comfort will not only seek the lack of stress, but they'll seek a lot of privacy because I don't want anyone messing up my life. People are messy. People are weird. I'm the normal one. And so if I can have privacy, if I can put walls up and isolate myself, I don't have to deal with your junk. Not realizing that my junk is just as prevalent because we're people. And, and so this idol of comfort comes out in so many different ways. It's the idea of making sure that I'm emotionally and physically okay, that everything feels okay, that everything feels okay around me. There's no bad things in life. The idol of comfort is where participation awards come from because no one should feel left out. No one should feel something hard. This is where the idea of safe spaces come from and why our colleges can't discuss things agreeably and disagreeably. Well, they discuss them disagreeably. They can't have disagreements agreeably. You can't present an idea on most of our college campuses anymore that is contrary to popular thought because you are offending and hurting and abusing someone is the language that is used. That is the deep idol of comfort. Don't you dare do anything that is hard. You know, we, we, we live in a, a hashtag blessed society. And that again is the idol of comfort. I'm going to post every, everything that is good and, and I, I'm just going to crave that because that means God has blessed me. I rarely see people use hashtag blessed when they've lost a job or lost a loved one or had something hard happen in life. And so as we drill down in this idol, the idea is if we were to, to make a, a phrase to ourselves, how do we know we have this idol? Maybe life only has meaning or I only have worth if I have this kind of experience if I have this kind of pleasure, if I have this kind of quality in life. And so we're constantly seeking something to fill the holes and to make us satisfied. And all along, culture and Satan, the evil one, is saying, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. And so the devil lies and says, we deserve to be comfortable. We don't. And that we can only be happy if we have what we want and free access to the pleasures of this world. And so we can binge watch any TV show we want all night or all week because we have instantaneous access to these things. One author wrote, I am not content unless I have free access to a particular pleasure in my life at any time. Think about contentment and comfort. Because the bowing at the idol of comfort always comes from discontent with what Jesus has given us. Discontent with the life that we have. Discontent 
with the fulfillment that Jesus provides. And so we often ask ourselves questions like, what can I do next? What can I fill my time with next? If I just had blank, I would be happy. How can I fill this emptiness that I feel? What do I have to avoid today to have a good day? Because I don't have very many good days. And those all make us think about comfort. And we need to be thinking about comfort. There are a ton of biblical examples of this one. And as I was going through Scripture, I'm like, okay, we, we only have 45 minutes, and I could, I could go two, three hours on biblical examples. So we'll, we'll settle on an hour and a half. If that bothers you, let's talk about the idol of comfort. No, no just, just, just kidding. I know that there's time constraints, and we have promotions and all that kind of things. Two biblical examples. I'd like to consider the children of Israel and Solomon today. And, and there's others in there, but I, I want to start with those. And, and for our text today, I joked with the elders this morning, let's just take all of Exodus and Numbers. Okay, so, so and, and, you know, let's skim through those. And, and in a sense, that's what I want to do. I want to skim through Exodus and Numbers on the children of Israel because the first example is the children of Israel trying to leave Egypt. And I say that because they physically left Egypt, but they had a really difficult time emotionally and spiritually leaving Egypt. And so the children of Israel trying to leave Egypt. And I, I just went through and started um, studying all the times they complained about the comfort of Egypt and why they complained. And, and so I want to give an overview today. So if you start by turning in your Bibles to Exodus 14, Exodus 14, and what I'd like to do is, as we give an overview, I've done them in order, so you can just flip a few pages, because I want the weight of what is happening, the weight of their example to settle on us. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black hardcover Bible underneath one of the chairs right around you. And, and if you don't have one at home, take that with you as our gift to you so you have God's Word. But I'd love for you to follow along so you know I'm not making this up. Because I think it's, as I looked at all the passages, I'm like, this people was crazy. They're, they're crazy. But so are we. And so we're going to start with Exodus, Exodus 14. And just follow the children of Israel as God brings them out of Egypt, as they're on their way to the promised land that God promised was filled with milk and honey, that God promised would satisfy. So they're in that in-between of a full realization of what God is going to give to satisfy and what they came from. Sort of like we are now in this world. <clears throat> and so start with Exodus fourteen eleven to 14. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Let me translate. This is hard. We might suffer. Someone might. This is hard. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Underline that. They are prioritizing. Something is making them prioritizing that they'd rather serve the Egyptians than follow God that we might serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now understand what they're questioning here. They are questioning whether God can protect them in the wilderness. They are questioning God's promise. They're not going to die in the wilderness. It just is hard. And they're saying, it's better for us to be back in Egypt. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. They're right on the Red Sea and God's about to part the Red Sea. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Amen? 
And the word is, God's got this. God's taking you to the fulfillment and what He's promised you. Trust Him. And they couldn't trust Him. This is hard. We might die. We don't see a way out. We're not comfortable. They're not saying that, but that is the idol of comfort coming out. But think about that. They would rather serve the Egyptians than trust God in difficulty. And the deep idol of of comfort, it always tries to avoid the difficult. It always struggles with something that is difficult. Now, now we know that, that Moses convinced them and they persisted and they saw one of the most incredible miracles where they walked through the bottom of the Red Sea on dry land, watched it come and destroy Egypt's army. If they had given in to the idol of comfort, they would have never seen God work in that way. And so many times the idol of comfort is we are pursuing significance, as we are pursuing what we want, we are sacrificing seeing the incredible and what God wants to do. Okay, turn just a couple pages over. Exodus 16. Exodus 16. And again, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly to try to give us an overview this morning. Exodus 16, 2 and 3. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. I would not want their job, by the way. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so again, it's hard. They're hungry. They're not getting everything they want. And do you catch what they said? We would rather disobey God and have him kill us in Egypt because we're going to have meat and bread and good food. They would rather compromise and get the comfort they want than trust God. God wasn't going to let them starve. But he also wasn't going to serve them Ruth Chris. They, they, they don't get everything they want. We don't get everything we want because the desires of our heart are sinful and evil. And God is going to give us what's best. But that's stunning that they would rather die by the hand of the Lord in disobedience and have their meat pots and have their bread. Must have been pretty good. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> Turn over another page. Exodus 17, 3 through 7. But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? I'd be like, again? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. That is a commitment to comfort. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. Take your hand in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it. Then jump, jump ahead to the, the end of seven. And because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Their, their bowing to the idol of comfort made them question God's presence. It made them question God's satisfaction, His work, His protection. See, the idol of comfort always causes an elevated and exaggerated distress. Everything is much worse than it seems because I'm not getting what I want. And that becomes present right in front of our eyes. We can see nothing else. But that results in a distrust of God because that's all we can see. That's all we can feel. 
So much of the idol of comfort is putting feelings ahead of reality. What I feel is supreme. And so they questioned, is the Lord among us? And village, the Lord is among us. The Lord is protecting. The Lord is guiding. The Lord is satisfying. He is bringing contentment if we seek Him. But here, this is a reminder that this idol is particularly hard. And I think it's particularly hard because it deals, all of them deal with self, but the idol of comfort is, is like entwined with self and what I want and, and self-centeredness and, and all kinds of things. And as we go through these passages, it should remind us this is a hard one. This is a hard one to conquer. This is one that keeps coming back over and over and over and over. And we keep running back to our idols. Then jump over a few more pages to Exodus 29. Exodus 29. And this one's a little different verse, not necessarily an example, but God sharing His heart for His people. Because it, it really shows us that God is trying to get rid of our idols, even though that hurts like Eustace in, in Narnia, even though it hurts as He rips away the idols of our heart, He's doing it to have relationship with us. He's doing it to be close with us. So Exodus 29, verse 46. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And God is saying, I brought them out of Egypt, and He's still trying to get Egypt out of them, but I brought them out of Egypt that I might dwell among them, to take them out of their life there. I mean, think about this. They were happier in slavery if they got what they want, then out in the wilderness following Jesus, following God rather, to where he would be leading to the land of milk and honey. But God says, I brought you out of this that I might dwell with you, that I might be with you. I am the Lord their God. He is our God if we will seek him. Acts 7.39 commentary on it says, Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt. And that's exactly what's going on. Their hearts were still turned to Egypt. Their hearts were still craving what they had there. And so many times the idol of comfort has these false promises of how something fulfills, and we don't realize the damage it's doing. Or we get so in such a state we are craving comfort so much that we're willing to take a little bit of comfort that's just all dirty and disgusting because we don't want what's hard in life. God wants to get rid of those idols to have relationship with us. Turn over a couple more pages. You would think this would do it. Exodus 32, 4-6. Now we're at Sinai. So we've crossed the Red Sea. They've seen these incredible miracles. They've had water come out of a rock. They're at Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain, so he's missing for a while. Okay, And he's talking with God. God's giving him the Ten Commandments. Aaron is down with the people. And, and, and in verse 4, Exodus 32, 4, And he, being Aaron, he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Moses has just gone talking with God for a short time. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. We're partying. 
And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings to the calf. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that last statement is a chilling example of the God of comfort, the God of pleasure. They sat down to eat and drink. They're going to feast. They're going to have everything they want foods-wise. They rose up to play. And it's a metaphor for they'll do what they want and sexual promiscuity and all kinds of stuff. And so their passions, they, they fashioned their own God to justify their passions and said it was Yahweh. This is, this is, this should disgust us. But yet we do the same thing when we give in to comfort, when we say, I deserve this or I want this, and, and when we compromise because of that, when we elevate the, the pursuit of comfort over anything else. Flip over to Numbers chapter 11. You have to skip Leviticus in there, but jump to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, 4 through 6. Now the rabble that was among them, rabble meaning disorderly crowd, people stirring up. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and that should be a a warning sign right there. They had a strong craving, an idol of comfort. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. I mean, I, I, I get a good barbecue, but oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. There's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Catch what's happening. God has provided. He has given them food. Where there was no food, a miracle happens every day, and it's not enough. We want meat. We want fish. We want cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And there's a phrase in there that's really key, that costs nothing. See, the idol of comfort doesn't want to do the hard work, doesn't want to do hard things, doesn't want to do what needs to be done. Everything needs to be given to me and provided for me and make me comfortable and entertain me and give me what I want. But the idol of comfort never does that. It is never free. It is always incredibly costly. See, all of this, the the idol of comfort at its heart is us trying to undo the fall on our own. At the fall, what did God say? God said, "You, out of the sweat of your brow, cursed is the ground, out of the sweat of your brow you're going to work. You're going to have to work hard. And that's going to remind you to turn back to God because this earth, this planet can't provide what you want. But we keep trying to undo the fall and give ourselves the pleasures and the joy and not have to work, not have to do the hard things without Jesus. And the cycle continues. Let's look at a couple of the other passages pretty quickly. Numbers 11, a little bit later, verse 18. And this is interesting because God sometimes allows us what we want to show us our foolishness, to show us the emptiness of it. So God says to Moses, say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord saying, will you give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. I'd be nervous at that point. You shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, 
but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? And so he gives them what they want. He gives them the desires. And they have to come to the point of realizing this doesn't fulfill. It actually tears down. It actually destroys. And they're sick of it by the end of the month. But God sometimes says, okay, here you go. Here you go. The idol of comfort always leads to disaster. At first, it's great. At first, we have a fleeting moment of happiness. But do we really want to compromise a a lifetime of happiness, an eternity of joy for a fleeting moment? They were. Numbers 14, three chapters over. The the comfort idol, it's just distorts our thinking. This over-desire for comfort distorts our thinking. Verse 1 of Numbers 14, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. I'm sorry, in the flesh, if I'm hearing this again, I'm like, would would that you die right now. (laughs) Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. There we go. That's an option. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then this is where they're they're thinking. Now they're running with their thinking. And they're taking matters in their own hands. They're pursuing comfort. They're pursuing what they want. And they said to one another, let's choose a new leader. Or let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's go. Again, they're not trusting God. They're thinking God's going to let them die in battle. They're like, okay, let's take matters in our own hands. Chapter 20, Numbers. Verse 4. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us up to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. We can't have the cool fruit that we like. As they're on the doorway to the land flowing with milk and honey, as they're on the doorway to beyond their expectations of what God can provide. And so they are not trusting God. They are never satisfied. You can look at Numbers 21.5. But I want to end this section on the children of Israel with Hebrews 11.24-26. As the author of Hebrews praises Moses for his faith because Moses was different. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Let me read that verse again. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses chose to deny the idol of comfort and do what was right. Praise God. And God used him in mighty ways. He considered, verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And that's where you start to understand how to overcome this idol. You keep looking for the reward. You keep looking to the future. What is God doing? How is God providing? 
powerful example of an incredibly patient man, by the way, as God used him to lead the people. The second example that I want to turn to briefly, again, in the line, in the line of the children of Israel, the second king, third king rather, Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 3. And Solomon wrote this. Solomon, who had everything, had every pleasure, he had the money for every comfort, and in fact, at this point in his life, he tried everything because he's seeking for something to fill a hole in his heart. He's seeking for something to provide fulfillment. And in Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 3, this man who has everything says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. And the word means emptiness. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. Jumping down to verse 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And I use him as an example because he's someone that pursued the idol of comfort wholeheartedly. He had resources beyond what probably all of us combined have to pursue the idol of comfort. And it wasn't enough. It left him empty. And so my prayer is that leaves us saying, what can we do different? How can this not be our idol? So let's break this down a little bit. If you turn your, your notes over, we try to break down, okay, what does the idol of comfort look like? How does it express itself? And then we can talk about how to replace it. But when we think of comfort, again, all of these things are deep idols that are then paired with surface idols. And so the idol of comfort can come out in a surface idol of money where I need enough money to do whatever I want. And one author wrote, people with the comfort idolatry earn and spend money in an attempt to insulate themselves from the needs of others and from the demands of daily life. They avoid boredom at all costs, so they are continually purchasing new gadgets and toys and investing deeply in their hobbies and other distractions from day-to-day life. They spend to entertain. They spend, and so it looks like money is their idol, but the deep idol here is that of comfort. Deep idols, the deep idol of comfort often comes out in addictions, a surface idol of addiction. Because we, we get into this cycle where it doesn't satisfy, so we have to try something more, and then it doesn't satisfy. And so it leads to a very addictive and compulsive behavior as we're trying to self-medicate with alcohol or drugs or addicted to other things because we're trying to find that next high. It often leads to a surface idol of entertainment. Um, a surface idol of relationships, specifically relationships that are outside of God's parameter, especially sexually, because I'm just trying to make myself happy. I'm just trying to find pleasure. So I'm willing to compromise to accomplish that. So that's some of the surface idols. Comfort can come out in almost every surface idol. I'll just say that because it just seems like it is part of who we are. And so we've got to identify it. We've got to recognize that. But then on your notes, we have the first category, how it looks. Why does it go unrecognized? Remember, good things, when they become ultimate things, become bad things. So they're good things until they become ultimate. 
And so someone with the idol of comfort sometimes can look really laid back, can look really easygoing. You ask them what's wrong and their answer is, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. And, and that, actually that answer keeps us from being fine. It keeps us from the help that we need. It keeps us from being real. But they don't want drama. They don't want stress. And so I'm not going to be real with you because then I don't want you real with me. I don't want your mess. And so they come across really laid back, easygoing, looking for a good time. The price that we'll pay to pursue the idol of comfort. One of the, one of the prices that you'll see is just a, a lack of or reduced productivity. A, a lack of doing things that need to be done. A lack of pursuing responsibilities. And so their whole life becomes mediocre rather than to the glory of God. It can become mediocre because we're pursuing the wrong things. We're pursuing comfort. Now that can look different when paired with different deep idols. But um, if I'm all about pleasure, I'm not about doing the hard things in life. Another price that we'll pay if our God is comfort is we'll pay the price of real transparent relationships. It is really difficult to have a real, genuine, authentic friendship with someone whose God is comfort. And one of the reasons for that is it's deeply rooted in self and self-centeredness and I get what I want. And if you put two people with a sense of self together, it is, it's bad because they don't always want the same things. See, worshipers of comfort, they see others, even those closest to them, as potential obstacles to their comfort. Comfort is more important than people. People are messy. And and so it's not surprising that authentic relationships don't come easily. Because those require investment. Those require, uh, those require openness. They require transparency. And they don't have an insulation from hassle. And so the idol of comfort has some deep prices to pay. Both in our ability to do things well, to do anything, and in real friendships, real, real relationships. The worst fear of someone with the idol of comfort, or some of the worst fears of the idol of comfort, stress and demands. Don't stress me out. Don't do it. Don't, don't demand that I do anything. Don't ask me to do anything. I don't want a list of responsibilities. I don't want a list of what I should do. And so that often drives them to seclusion, to privacy. So, so a phrase that we hear all the time, and, and one of my pet peeves, I just can't adult today. That is a phrase serving the God of comfort. Because that is a phrase saying, I want to do what I want. I want that comfort I want to have it easy. I don't want to adult today, says I don't want to do the responsibilities of being an adult. I mean, I've seen it. I had to do laundry today. I don't want to adult today. It's laundry. Go press the button. Maybe even put soap in. The idol of comfort is, I believe, the God of our culture today with the safe spaces, with the, the I can't adult. And I can go on and on and on. Why do, we, why do we want to Instagram all of our favorite meals? Because we're worshiping the idol of comfort. And, and I'm not saying we should never do that. Some of your meals are really cool. 
But why is that the only thing sometimes? We need to ask some deeper, harder questions. What am I seeking? What am I hoping for? So worst fear is stress and demands. Some of the problem emotions. What are some of the emotions that come out of, of the, the idol of comfort? Um, boredom is one of them because we, we abhor boredom, boredom if we have the idol of comfort. So something needs to come fill that time. Laziness is one of the, the emotions that come from it. But also emptiness. Emptiness. When we feel like I, I just don't even know how to have a good day today. I feel empty today. There's a restlessness that comes with the idol of comfort. And, and, and some of this is there's just a weariness with detaching from life, with detaching from responsibilities, with detaching from people because they might say something that hurts me. And there's a, willing, a weariness of that that leads to meaningless and isolation. And so the God of pleasure, again, sacrifices so much that's real and beautiful in life for a fleeting moment. How do others feel when we pursue the God of comfort? Others around us often describe it as feeling hurt, as feeling neglected, annoyed because you seem indifferent. And the reason you seem indifferent is because you are. Because we're pursuing comfort, we're pursuing our own experiences. And and this is the bottom line. The idol of comfort says, I want to pursue what I want. The heart wants wants what it wants. And I want my experiences, and that's more important than you. And so comfort becomes more important than people. The stuff that I have, the work I need to do on the house, the toys that I can buy. One of the things with this idol is someone with this idol doesn't believe that others care about them because of all this. There's a lack of response to others. There's this distance, this pushing away. And so all real relationships suffer for something that doesn't satisfy. Some other signs each week, I give just a few other things that sort of are are part of this that don't fit anywhere else in the category. Oftentimes people with the idol of comfort are passive-aggressive because they're passive. They don't want to cause drama and, and do the hard things and talk with people. Aggressive because I'm not getting what I want and eventually that's going to boil up and I'm going to have to act on that. Um, and so, yeah, they'll avoid conflict for a time, but then it'll boil over to make sure I pursue and get what I want, to make sure I'm assertive and aggressive enough to get what I want. Um, these type of people often take the easy way out instead of doing the hard work. Cheating is almost always from the God of comfort. It's almost always harmful to us as well. Um, the God of comfort often will, will come out of that we can put on a good face. We can put on a good mask so we don't have to deal with real things in life. I already mentioned it. It often seeks immediate gratification through addic- addictions, through things that numb like alcohol and drugs, escaping different, different hobbies, different exercises that escape life. And this can be anything. I know drugs and alcohol are the easy go-to, but binge eating in and out might be in the list. Binge eating ice cream or binging on some fun experiences. Um, Just so many different things that we turn to for comfort rather than God. And in the end, what we know from the church at Laodicea, we not only distance ourselves from people, but we distance ourselves from God. 
because we say, I will provide what I want. I will provide what I need. I don't need you, God. That's why the, the idol of comfort is so difficult. So we come to what do we do about it? The, the last section. How do we replace this with biblical truth? What biblical truth does this counterfeit? Because every idol is counterfeiting some biblical truth. And the biblical truth that the idol of comfort counterfeits is that true peace and satisfaction only come through Christ. True peace and satisfaction only come through Christ and his victory on the cross. See, see, Jesus defeated sin. He defeated idols. He defeated all this on the cross. And if we are seeking those other things, we are pretending like the cross didn't happen. We are pretending like he accomplished nothing on the cross and seeking those things that he defeated. And your comfort doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't last. And so one of the questions we have to ask is, can I have peace and contentment? I would put the word contentment with that. Can I have peace and contentment if everything physical was taken away and I only had Jesus? Then we start to get to the heart of this idol. If, if I sat and had nothing to do this week, could I have joy in Jesus? And we begin to see that this idol is replacing what true joy actually comes from. One of the problems that I personally believe, I think this is so hard because I think we struggle to believe that Jesus will actually satisfy. I think we struggle to believe that Jesus is enough. Even though we sang it this morning and, and, and worship to it, do we believe Jesus is enough or is it Jesus and? Jesus and the new car. Jesus and the good job. Jesus and this TV show. Jesus and this. Then I'll be happy. And so we try to do it on our own in a direct contradiction to the cross in philippians 3 the apostle paul writes for many of whom i I have often told you and now tell you even with tears many walk as enemies of the cross of christ they're in they're in opposition to the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things paul says those that are enemies of the cross Their God is their belly. They serve the comfort idol. Their mind is on earthly things rather than heavenly things. And so we run to the things of this world for satisfaction. We we crave being happy for a day rather than the perfect peace and joy in Christ. One author wrote this, which I thought was brilliant. The devil has made running to the things of this world for comfort so easy that we forget that running to God is even easier and more fulfilling. Now, God doesn't offer an easy life. He says it's going to be hard here because this is a fallen, broken world. If it's easy here, that's a problem. But he's promised joy and satisfaction and to bring us through it to riches beyond our our wildest dreams. And so how do we do this? We replace Again, you can't just get rid of an idol. You have to replace an idol because our heart is going to go to something. So if our heart is going to comfort and pleasure and avoiding conflict and stress, we've got to replace that with a heart that goes to Jesus and says, I know that you will satisfy. I trust that you will satisfy. Thank you for what you've done. I am going to chase you with all my heart. And we start by confessing our idol of of comfort recognizing that we are needy and only can be met, that, that those needs can only be filled with Christ. 
saying, Lord, I confess I've sought my own happiness. I confess I've, I've pursued selfishness, that I've compromised and my heart has had something higher than you. I have chased so many other things. Help me know that only you can satisfy and sustain. And then we start to replace with a focus on, on the cross and what has been accomplished on the cross. That Jesus provides never-ending security and peace and rest because of the cross. Because he defeated everything that challenges peace and rest. The more I lean on him, the more I trust him, the more I study him, the more I serve him, the more this whole gets satisfied. 2 Corinthians 1 describes him as the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. So then, if he is the God of all comfort, why do we prioritize what we want and our happiness and our desires? Remember this. Remember this when you're tempted to run to the the God of sex, alcohol, food, relationships, TV, entertainment, sports, instead of the God of all comfort. You're sacrificing what you could have, what is beautiful. And so we seek God. We do His work. We pursue Him. Because He is the only one that provides that satisfaction. This morning we're going to end our time with the the Lord's Supper. And, And really this is a time of reflecting on the cross and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Which, by the way, if Jesus had been about the idol of comfort, He would have never gone to the cross. He didn't need to. Like that, He could have stopped it. But he went to the cross because there was a bigger picture of what God wanted to do. And so as we come to the Lord's Supper today, and we're going to start singing a little bit just as we reflect. And you can just listen to worship team. If you want to sing along, you can. But I ask you at this time to start to think, okay, God, show me where comfort has infiltrated my life. Show me what I'm not happy if I don't have, because that's usually part of that idol. Holy Spirit, work in my heart. And then as we we take communion, this is about reveling in the work of Christ and what He's done and that He provides true satisfaction and true joy. So I'd like to sing, have worship team sing a little bit. Let's bow our heads and just spend some time reflecting before we take the elements of the Lord's Supper.